It is good to see each of you. If you're visiting with us, thank you so much for being with us this evening. If you would, be open your Bibles to the first chapter of Luke. We'll look at a few verses out of there in just a moment, and then in verses in Luke, the second chapter. That'll be around 905 in your pew Bible, and so uh, be sure and open your Bible, and let's study together tonight and benefit from the study of God's Word. We rejoice that Kevin Neal was baptized into Christ this afternoon. Kevin is the husband of Jill Lloyd Neal, the son-in-law of David and Faith Lloyd, and we rejoice with him and with that family. A wonderful young man, and we look forward to getting to knowing him better and uh, worshiping and serving together with him. We have about 30 young people and adults that are helping with a vacation Bible school that's just outside of St. Louis, Missouri, a specific Church of Christ. And they knocked probably seven to 800 doors Saturday. They spent this afternoon decorating their classrooms that uh, the young people will teach the classes Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday afternoon and evening. And let's be sure and be prayerful about the spiritual success of that vacation Bible school. No doubt it'll be good for our young people as they are leading that, and let's pray for the uh, young people that can be reached in that community as so many that are not churched have been invited. Also, Phil wanted me to mention to uh, the, especially the young people to remember that there will not be a Monday Night Madness this Monday, and there will be the Thursday Night Youth Series at Lebanon Road, and for more details, you can see Doug Perry about that. In the future, I'd like for us to spend some Sunday nights looking at various passages out of Luke. I'd like for us to look at those passages with an effort to get to know Jesus, to be reminded of what the Scripture says about our awesome and wonderful Savior. As we look at the book of Luke, Luke was a doctor. Luke was a man that was keen on details, and he loved putting things in chronological order. He wanted to make sure that we had a clear picture, and he writes this picture to individuals that apparently already knew God and they knew Jesus. It was just reinforcing things about Jesus, especially with an emphasis on him being a man. When we look in Luke, the first chapter, the first four verses, we see an introduction. Keep in mind, Luke not only wrote this account of the life of Jesus Christ, but he also wrote the book of Acts. And so the beautiful thing of reading Luke and Acts is you have volume 1 and volume 2, A Life of Christ in the History of the Church, by a man that no doubt loved the Lord and loved the church greatly. Verse 1, Luke the first chapter, And as much as many have taken in the hands to set in order a narrative of those things which have been fulfilled among us, just as those who from the beginning were eyewitnesses and ministers of the Word delivered them to us, it seemed good to me also, having had perfect understanding of all things from the very first, to write to you an orderly account, most excellent Theophilus, which the word Theophilus literally means lover of God. And there's always debate about, was he writing to a specific person or was he writing to people that love God? Either way, it, it helps us to see that he wanted us by application, or maybe writing specifically, specifically to those that would love God. He wants us to have that orderly account. Now notice the rest, verse 4, that you may know 
the certainty of those things in which you were instructed. Here on Sunday night, you're probably here because you have a strong conviction to serve God. You'd probably give your life in serving God. You'd have your life taken before you'd stop serving God. So as we study together in this audience, do you know for certainty the things you believe? How can we know for certainty? One thing Luke would say is, go back and study it again. Luke refers to the fact that there have been several narratives written. He says, I want to write another one. I want to put this one in chronological order. I want you to be able to see the life of Jesus as it unfolds from Him being born to Him dying on the cross. I hope you'll look forward to this study. Not that we'll study verse by verse, but as we look through and pick out some wonderful stories of Jesus so that we know for certainty we serve the risen King. Luke, the first chapter, is primarily about the birth of John the Baptist. We want to concentrate in this series, especially of the life of Jesus. So let's go right to Luke, the second chapter. When we look in Luke, the second chapter, we see as the first few verses are unfolding that there's been a census that's required, and so Joseph goes with Mary. And Luke decides not to record a lot of detail about Joseph and Mary, but we know from other passages how godly both of them were. We know how probably others were staring at them, thinking what a shameful couple that that they were because, after all, she was pregnant before they were ever officially married. You see, so oftentimes, reputation and reality simply are not the same thing. And what makes all of that better is the long term. You see, most of those individuals that probably doubted Joseph and Mary lived long enough to understand that Mary truly did fulfill the prophecy that Jesus was born of a virgin. But notice, it would have taken time. Friends, instead of demanding individuals to give us respect, instead of demanding individuals think of us in a certain way, we ought to have the patience to say, you know, if I live a righteous and a godly life long enough, all of that seems to always take care of itself. Notice what happens as we look at verse 6 and 7, this wonderful couple. So it was that while they were there, that was traveling all the way from Galilee down to Bethlehem. So it was while they were there, the days were completed for her to be delivered. Now the way women say that today is, it's time. How many of you women have said that? I remember Tracy waking me up in the middle of the night. David, it's time. So maybe one of you pregnant ladies, you might want to try this line. My days are completed. All right. And look at verse 7. And she brought forth her firstborn son, wrapped him in swaddling cloths, and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. The baby's here. Probably wasn't what Mary expected her first child to be. Surely all women have something in their mind of that first baby and maybe what the nursery would look like and what the baby's blanket would look like and just all the perfect setting. I doubt it was pictured in her mind. It'd be a manger. And it'd just be some cloth. 
And they would be in a leftover room in the back that was shared by apparently animals also. How do you give a birth announcement in a setting like that? Remember years ago when fathers hand out cigars? You know today now that usually is a beautiful announcement accompanied with a beautiful picture. Sometimes even a poem is written. How are they going to announce Jesus? How's God going to announce Jesus? For a few minutes, I know you've heard this. I know you've studied it many times. But let's know it with certainty. In other words, let's, let's see it afresh again. And as we read these things, I want you to try your best, even if you need to close your eyes. I want you to imagine Jesus has just been born. And God the Father says, I've got an announcement to make. I have some people. I want them to know what has just been given to them on earth. And let's scan some of these verses about the birth announcement. In verse 8, the shepherds are out in the fields. And they're probably having a night like they have had thousands of times. Can you imagine how they get the sheep quieted down? They make sure that all are there, all are safe, all are nurtured. Uh, Whatever means of protection needs to be given, they have put that into place. And you can imagine them bedding down underneath the stars. It's going to be another quiet and beautiful night, perhaps they were thinking. Maybe they wondered if there would be a soft rain. I can assure you one thing, they probably never wondered. They probably had no idea that what was about to happen was going to happen. Verse 10, Then the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And the reason he had to say don't be afraid is because when the angel came, not only was it the presence of an angel, but the glory of the Lord shone about. Can you imagine being the shepherds and looking up and and seeing first an angel, but then the glorious rays of heaven that would shine about? And they were afraid. Don't be afraid. I bring you good news. I bring you glad tidings. What is it? A Savior. A Savior to all people. What an announcement. What a gift. Now, it didn't stop there. If you have that pictured in your mind, imagine after this announcement of this one angel as we read verse 13. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace, goodwill, Toward men. What would that sound like being sung by a host of angels? How would you describe that? Can you imagine experiencing that and then trying to go somewhere else and, and tell someone else what you've just seen and what you've just heard? It's so bright. There were so many of them. It was so beautiful. I've never quite heard a harmony like that. Oh, can you imagine? Can you imagine a birth announcement of Jesus 
sent by God the Father through a heavenly host. And the heavenly host praising God and announcing the greatness that it would be on earth. The shepherds immediately go to find Jesus. They find Jesus and that part of the story unfolds. But tonight we're going to concentrate on on the praise and the glory that's offered because Jesus was born. And so after they spend some time with Mary and Joseph and Jesus, notice what happens in verse 20 when they return. Then the shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all the things that they have heard and seen as it was told to them. First, the angels praised God and glorified God because Jesus was born telling and showing that to the shepherds. The shepherds went to see Jesus for themselves. And when they returned, they returned praising and glorifying God. But the birth announcements aren't over yet. You see, 40 days later, they'll take Jesus into the temple as they should, as being Jews. It was a part of the purification. And they meet up with Simeon in verse 25. And notice what he says. He's an older fella. He's been waiting there in the temple. And notice in verse 28, he took him, speaking about Jesus, up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace. Because you see, the verses that we just skipped over, God promised him that before he died, he would allow him to see the Savior. And now he's looking at a baby. And he knows what he's holding in his hands. He's holding his Savior. According to your word, for my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared before the face of all the people, alike to bring revelation to the Gentiles, and the glory of your people, Israel. Simeon, he praised God. Praising God, realizing that He was holding the Savior. Praising God, realizing that this Savior would not only save the Jews, but this was also the Savior for the Gentiles. His understanding of Jesus' mission and purpose was so much greater than most Jews would come to understand over the next few years. But that's not all. There's also another part of the birth announcement. In 36, there's a prophetess named Anna that's waiting also. She's about 84 years old in 37, and notice what she says in 38. And coming in that instant, she gave thanks to the Lord and spoke of Him to all those who look for redemption in Jerusalem. She saw Jesus. What did she do? First, she gave thanks to the Lord. And then she went about and she spoke to everybody that was looking for redemption in Israel. Friends, let's pause for just a moment in this part of the chapter. What do we notice about the birth of Jesus? It's so often that we concentrate on the swaddling cloth in the manger. But I need to see something that God spent a lot of time through Luke's pen making sure we understood. When we truly see the Savior... We're going to praise and glorify Him. What about in your life? Do you truly praise God? Do you, with your life, glorify God? 
Do you look for ways, opportunities, avenues to praise and glorify God? I really believe that the more we see the Savior, the natural response will always be to praise Him. The angels announced it. Praise God. Simeon held Him. Praise God. The shepherds went back to their fields, praising God. Anna, she immediately thanked God and went to tell others. Tonight, I need to know with certainty that if I truly see Jesus the way God intended for me to see Him, praising Him will always be a result of it. That's a birth announcement of a baby. But the last half of this chapter, we see the growth of a child. Did you notice as we read there in verse 40, it says, this is when they went back into Nazareth, and this is after their short flight down to Egypt to escape death, and then finally they make their way back up to Nazareth. And that little part about Egypt isn't really recorded by Luke. And then he says in 40, and the child grew and became strong in spirit, filled with wisdom, and the grace of God was upon him. And the word, the Greek word for child here would literally mean infant or young child. And so as a young child, he would have gone back into Nazareth with his parents. And there as a young child, he grew. Now, the word for grow in that sense is what any of our children would do. It's, it's an involuntary part of living. When, when we take a little baby that that's eight or ten pounds home from the hospital, and in a few months you go back and you weigh them, and, and they've gained three or four pounds. How hard did that baby work to grow? Well, really, the baby didn't really work that hard to grow. The baby just grew. But you know, later on in life, later on even in childhood, if that child develops properly, they'll have to do some very intentional type of growing. They'll have to work on it. That's why when we read in verse 52, and Jesus increased in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and men, it's a different word there. You see, he didn't just say Jesus grew, although it would be proper for us to say that. But he uses a word that means to advance. It's the idea of pioneers cutting down trees to advance a movement. It's the idea of a, of a blacksmith hammering out a piece of metal to advance or to spread the metal out. You see, it's the idea of using some kind of aggressive action in order to grow. Little children, toddlers, they just grow. Now in between here was that story of Jesus being 12 years old. And at 12 years of age, he was understanding that his business was to be about the Father's business. And it's from there that we read in verse 51 that he went back with his parents to Nazareth and he was subject to them. And his mother kept all these things in her heart. 
and Jesus increased. So you see, now when we look at this type of growth, this is 12 years old and older. Well, what is it? It's very intentional. And you know, in many ways as adults, we're to continue growing as long as we live. I believe the pattern that Luke lays out that Jesus experienced, that He grew in these four areas, are the ways you and I can tell whether or not our life is balanced. In other words, if an individual grows in three of these, it's not balanced growth. If children grow in three of these, or two, or one, it's not balanced growth. What is it that Jesus hammered at? What is it that He pushed at? What is it that He forged ahead? What is it that He increased? Notice the first is, He increased in wisdom. Wisdom is taking godly knowledge, understanding the situation at hand, and having the discretion to apply godly knowledge to that situation. Jesus grew. He pushed forward in that. How did He do it? Well, we know just from that story when He was 12 years old, He was hanging out in the temple. Apparently, He loved to learn. A second thing is that He grew in wisdom and in stature. He grew physically. I don't believe this is talking about that growth that was mentioned earlier that was involuntarily. I believe this is the physical growth where an individual, as they're growing, whether they're an older young person or if they're an adult, it's realizing that there's responsibilities for Christians in dealing with their physical life. Teenagers, I suppose, have always had to deal with appropriate dress. What is appropriate in covering the physical body? A lot of teenage young men start pumping a little iron. Then they get cocky. Then they become a bully. Not all of them. There's a lot of Christian young men that pump iron and they press forward, growing physically just as God would want them to grow. You see, as our body grows and develops, the question is, will we press forward and make sure that that growth is a godly type of growth? And then when he says, and in favor with God and man, the word favor literally means grace. It's the same word that sometimes is translated grace or graciousness. And so the idea is to grow in a graceful manner toward God and toward man. And it's impossible for us to not be gracious toward man and to have an appropriate relationship with God the Father. God demands that we be right in our relationship with others before we can be right with Him. And so it is. We have a growth that is making sure that our life and our devotion is right to God. If you're going to build a relationship with anyone, communication is important. Listening to them and speaking back. Reading the scriptures and offering prayers in return. That's one way or two ways that we can grow in our relationship with God. Gracious way that we can grow. But then in our relationship with others, it's important that we grow strong relationships. 
Something is wrong in my life. Something sorely amiss. If I can't handle healthy social responsibilities. Where do we see Jesus? We see Jesus constantly around close friends. Peter, James, and John. And just from that alone, if you had to answer the question, did Jesus know how to be a good friend? Could He handle that kind of relationship? Yes. Where do we see Him? We saw Him at weddings. We saw Him at gravesides when individuals died. We saw Him going over and helping the poor, helping the sick. What do we learn about Jesus as we see all this? We learn about a man that was able to grow in favor with man as well as with God and in a physical way and in a way of wisdom. Luke, the second chapter, helps us to know Jesus. We see a birth announcement that if we had to pick out one theme about the birth announcement, it would be this. Praise Him and glorify Him. Luke, the second chapter, helps us to see how we're to grow. Are you growing in a balanced way? If you had a piece of paper and wrote down those four things, I've tried this, and I try to do this from time to time, and I wish I could say to you I'd do this every day. Write down those four areas. Wisdom and the physical, the stature, your relationship with God, your relationship with man. And make sure that you do something specific in each of those four every day. When we're growing in all four of those, we're pushing forward. We're advancing the way Jesus Christ grew. And that have to be good. This evening... Are you right with the Lord? He came to this earth according to the song of the angels, the announcement of the angel to be our Savior. He died on the cross to pay the price to be our Savior. He wants to come again and deliver us to the Father because He's the Savior. Have you obeyed His plan of salvation? Have you been baptized into Christ for the remission of sins because you believe? You're willing to repent. You're willing to confess before men. Maybe you've become a Christian and somewhere along the way, you've lost the way. Wouldn't tonight be a wonderful time to come back home? Come back home to a Savior that loves to forgive because He loves us. If we can help you in any way, come as we stand, as we sing.